Mom Burns. I'm the publisher of the Nashville Mom website. Uh, God really put a desire on my heart about 13 years ago to move to Nashville. Um, even before I had even visited Nashville, for some reason, um, that dream was planted. Four years ago, the opportunity finally came up for um, a job opportunity for my husband, Seth, and we uh, jumped at it, and within about a month's time, we packed up and, and moved here. It took me a while to, to find a place that felt like home. Uh, as far as a, a job opportunity for me here. I had connected with uh, a lady who started uh, my website, The Nashville Mom. Her name is Lindsay. And then Lindsay decided to start another business. And I just really was sad to see that go away. Um, and just over some conversations that I had with my husband, he could tell that it was something I really um, was kind of passionate about and he just continued over a couple months time to encourage me just to reach out to her and, and see if I could come on and help. It took her a little bit of time. I kind of felt like I'd asked her for one of her children, you know, um, but she really just said, hey, I want you to take it and run with it. It really was stepping out, um, trying to be a little more fearless in the whole situation and I think sometimes when we are scared that that's when God's working that's when he's saying he's pushing you he's um, kind of encouraging you to take that step of faith because you never know um, what roads or doors may open through I really feel like this was one of those dreams I just didn't know that was there and I can see uh, his purpose the purposes he's given me um, through it so it's really been neat to see how it's all worked out and how um, little by little he kind of was planning those dreams in my heart and uh, now they've come to fruition Uh, well, good morning, church. Good morning, and I'm really excited about today. It's just a beautiful day, great day to worship and be in God's presence. And this morning, we're launching our summer series, and I'm pumped because this is going to be an incredible series. It's a series that we're going to study the life of a guy in the Bible named David. All right, David, he's, he's amazing. He's one of the most famous people in the Bible. He's one of the most famous people in history. And, and his story is a story we, we can all identify with. I mean, as we look at this guy, David's mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. His name's literally mentioned over a thousand times. It's three times more than Abraham, three times more than Moses, okay? Jesus, our Savior, was called the Son of David, okay? So this guy had a huge impact on, on, on the world and on our lives, and we're going to see his story unfold. Uh, David's story, if you don't know, I mean, it's like ups and downs. I mean, he has these major victories, like we're going to see next week when he faces a giant, and then he has some just like total disasters, right? He makes some terrible decisions, like we'll see in a few weeks with a woman named Bathsheba, and we're going to see that whole thing unfold. But what we're going to see through the process is David's story is our story. It's a story of life, it's a story of trials, it's a story of redemption. And the thing about David, to the end of his life, man, he just held on to God. <laughs> to the ups and the downs, he held on to God. So much so that at the end of his life, he was known as a man after God's heart. And, and I pray that for all of us. I pray at the end of our lives <laughs> that, you know, through the ups and the downs and the joys and the struggles, that at the end of our lives, we can just say, hey, uh, I was a man or a woman after God's heart. <laughs> I held on to him. You know, and God was with me and God was for me. And I just want to bring glory to him for what he's done in my life. And so I'm excited that you're here today. You know, David's name literally means beloved. That's what David's name means. God loved David and God loves you. 
And he's brought all of us here today to hear from him. It's not an accident that any of us are here today. God has a word for us, and I believe God's going to speak to us as we see the story of David unfold. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, okay? So it's kind of toward the front of the Bible. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch right there. Then you go Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And then you get into the first and seconds. First, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. So we're gonna be in 1 Samuel 16. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we got some Bibles for you in the back. Love for you to grab one. Put your name in it, it's yours. Free gift from us. Uh, and you can underline scripture in there. Also put the scripture on the screen or maybe you have a mobile device you can access the scriptures online as well at version. Now before we dive into 1 Samuel 16, let me set up the story so you kind of know where we are and get the context. If you go back to the very beginning, God created, right? And God created man, we see in Genesis 1 and 2, and God created man for relationship with him. So if you ever wonder why you were created, you were created for relationship with God. And so when you try to pursue all these other things that think they're going to bring fulfillment and they're just empty, it's right because you can't fix everybody around you. Life is made right here when you, when you come into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so God made man for a relationship with him and things are great in the garden. And then Genesis 3, man sins. And man says, God, we don't want to do it your way. We're going to do it our way. And sin comes in and decay and hurt and pain. But God didn't give up on them just like God doesn't give up on us. Praise God. Because <laughs> we've sinned, right? All of us have sinned and fallen short. But God set into motion a plan to redeem mankind. So you go to Genesis 11 and God calls this guy named Abram who's living in the Ur of the Chaldeans and says, hey, leave your country, your people and go to a land I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. And from you, I will bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so Abram does. Right? He leaves his country, his people with his wife, Sarah, and they come and they settle in the promised land and God blesses them with a son, Isaac, and then Isaac has a son, you know, and Jacob. And then all of a sudden, man, they start to grow and multiply. But then there's a famine in the land. So they go down to Egypt. And while they're in Egypt, they kind of get comfortable. And instead of going back to the promised land, they stay in Egypt and they overstay their welcome. And now all of a sudden, Pharaoh comes along and makes them slaves. And they stay there, and then God sends a deliverer named Moses. Moses goes into Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And, and this million people now walk out, the exodus. And now we're in exodus. They walk out, and they go back to the promised land. They go back to the land that God gave to their forefathers, to Abraham and Isaac. And, and they go back there. And they conquer the land in Joshua, right? And, and then they're in the land. But then they start to fall in love with the people of the land. They start to fall with the ways of the world. And instead of trusting in God, they, they get off track. And like so many times we do, right? We fall in love with the world. And, and so God raises up people called judges, right? You see that in judges. He raises these people up. And then finally the people call out. And they go, God, we want a king. All these other nations have a king. We want a king. And God's like, oh, but I'm your king. And they're like, yeah, but we want our own king. And we want him to be tall and strong and good looking. We want a good king like that, you know. And God's like, all right, here you go, right. And so he anoints this guy, Saul, who's really tall and strong and good looking. And, you know, and he kind of starts off pretty well. He starts off following God and hanging on to God. But then something happens to Saul. Saul becomes prideful and arrogant. And he forgets about God. He stops listening to God. He stops obeying God. You know, success sometimes is our greatest danger. 
And when you're in a time of success, and hopefully we are, those are the times we hold on to God and say, God, keep my heart pure, keep me strong. But Saul doesn't. And he runs after and starts doing things his own way and leaves God. And so God says, okay, it's time. Pick up here, 1 Samuel 16. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Now Samuel is the prophet, right? He is the kind of the pastor to the nation. And Samuel's in retirement. He's down there in Ramah. He's kind of kicking back. You know, he's got one of those little drinks with the umbrella, you know, and he's letting, like, things are good, right? I've done my deal, you know, and he's mourning for Saul. He's like, I wish Saul would come back to God, but that's okay. I got my drink, you know, I'm good. You know, I get all that. And then God's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not done with you, Samuel. How long are you going to mourn for him? Because I've rejected Saul. I've rejected him. It's not good to be rejected by God, right? You know, you can't lose your salvation, but man, I can tell you, you can lose your place of influence, your place of prominence when you begin to turn away from God. He says, fill your horn, Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Samuel, not done with you. You know, while there's breath in your lungs, guys, God's not done with you. No matter how old you are, God still has a plan and a purpose. God still wants to use you for his glory. Hey, Samuel, you go down to Bethlehem. Now, you may recognize Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the place, right, where Jesus will be born eventually. So this is around 1025 B.C. This becomes the town of David. So he says, go to this guy, Jesse. I have chosen one. Notice the wording there, right? I have chosen. Before the people chose, I'm choosing. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Verse two, but Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Now, I love the honesty of scripture. And, and the people in the Bible, sometimes we think they're kind of holier than thou, like they had all their stuff together and everything. These guys are real life people. And Samuel's like, a God, I don't know if you know this, Saul is still the king. If I go anoint another person king, he's not gonna like that too much, right? He's gonna kill me. Samuel's afraid. I mean, Samuel's scared. He's like, I've got a good deal going. I'm retired, right? I'm kicking back. And he's like, no, you go. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Verse four, Samuel did what the Lord said. Just kind of underline that. Samuel did what the Lord said. Samuel pushed past the fear. It, it, guys, listen, in your life, there's going to be times that God's going to call you to do things. And he may speak an audible voice, but most of the time it's that still small voice inside of you that you know, right? You know, I, I'm supposed to, you know, go and I'm supposed to talk to this friend about Jesus. Man, I can tell their life is a train wreck. I just need to, to encourage them. I need to talk to them. And you're like, I don't know. Will they reject me? What are they going to think? Am I weird? You know, and you've got this tug of war going on in your soul and spirit, right? Or maybe there's this person that you, you know, God's saying, hey, pray for them. And you're like, I don't know why, you know, or send them an email or, hey, reach out to them on Facebook or, hey, invite somebody to church or, or hey, pray with your spouse or, hey, do a family devotion. Like, I don't know, man, I kind of, yeah, I don't know about that. But I love that verse four, Samuel did what the Lord said. And I think that's what separates the people from the Bible from a lot of people today is the people in the Bible were scared, just like we are sometimes. But the people pushed past it. 
and said, I'm going to live a life of faith and not fear. You know, I've never met anybody who regretted following God. I've never met anybody who says, man, I regretted that I invited that person to church. I regretted that I, you know, talked to that person. Nobody does. People get to the end of the life, though, and they regret that they didn't follow. People get to the end of the life, and they're like, oh, man, I wish I would have been baptized. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I would have talked to my cousin about Jesus. I wish I would have prayed with that. That's the problem. And here we see Samuel's like, okay, I'm putting it down. I'm getting up. I'm moving on because God's not finished with me. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? See, back in the Old Testament, when a prophet showed up in your town, that was a little scary because a lot of times prophets came and there was condemnation, there was judgment. They're like, oh no, you know, this is going to not be good. What have we done wrong? What happened? You know, do you come in peace? And Samuel's like, yeah. I come in peace. Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Consecrate means to prepare your heart. Consecrate means to pray and get ready because God's gonna do something. Consecrate yourselves for worship. That's why we come in in the mornings, right? We have time of worship and read his word. We're preparing our hearts. God's going to speak. God's going to say something to me. And I want to be ready. Samuel's like, we're going to have some church in here. Come on, you know, bring Jesse, bring your sons. Come on over, get ready. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, the oldest, right? And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So Jesse walks in, and here comes Eliab, you know, and he's tall, and he's strong, and he's good-looking. And Samuel's like, that's the guy. Looks like a king. Yeah, I mean, that's him. I, you know, I, that's, that's the guy right there. Isn't it interesting how Samuel falls in the same trap that the people did? They're looking at the outside. They're looking at that. And listen to what God says. Hey, guys, underline this in your Bible. Commit it to memory. I mean, look at this. Verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's going, oh, wait a minute, Samuel. I, I, look, I look differently than you do. I'm looking at the heart. You know, people today, man, we still fall in that trap, don't we? We look at the outside. We look at how people look. You know, we've got all kinds of shows that are, you know, all about how you look. And I mean, we, we go in People Magazine, and you know, Lifestyles of Rich and Famous. I mean, we got all these things that are out there, Bachelor, Bachelorette. You know, we're all judging people by the outside of what they look at. And God's going, hey, listen, I haven't looked at the outside. I love all people. But what I'm looking at is the heart. I'm looking at their heart. What's their heart like? <laughs> then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel, second oldest, right? Big, strong, good-looking guy. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these and Jesse's like, well, what am I supposed to do, right? I had my seven sons pass by. 
what in the world? And then Samuel asked a really great question. Hey, Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Got anybody else? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Jesse's like, I didn't even invite him. I didn't think he had a chance. I mean, he's the youngest, right? I mean, he's the runt. He's out there. He's out there with the sheep. Tending the sheep is like the lowest job. I mean, these other guys are in the army. They're straw. They're stonemasons. They're doing all these things. This guy's tending the sheep. I didn't even invite him to the party. I didn't think at all you would even choose him. And a lot of biblical scholars believe David, right, was about 16 to 20 years old during this time. So if you're in here, you're a student, you're a college student, you're a young adult, I'm going to tell you, this is kind of the defining time for this guy, and it happened when he was 16 to 20 years old. He's out there tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We'll not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. So in walks this 16-year-old, you know, or 17-year-old, and man, he's like, wow. It's okay to look good. It's okay to work out. It's okay to be in shape, you know. And David comes in, and, and man, I mean, he, he's solid. He's healthy, fine appearance. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Can you imagine his brothers like, What? That dude, yeah, what, really? You know, what in the world? And, and back then they would anoint with oil and then Samuel probably comes up to David and he just whispers in his ear, you're going to be the king. You are going to be the king. Imagine David's like, whoa, what just happened? Now it's 10 more years, 10 more years before David officially becomes the king. You know, when God gives you a vision, God gives you a vision for your life. God gives you a vision for your family. God gives you a vision for your career or dream to accomplish. It, it, wait on God's timing. And sometimes you want to go out and you want to just make it happen, but, but hold on. God gives you the vision and God gives you the timing. And God calls David at this time. But God say to David, hey, I'm still working in you, David. You're not ready yet to be king. I'm still doing something on the inside here. See, God is preparing you for what God's preparing for you. And sometimes we want to rush ahead and try to make things happen. But if we're not ready in our character and our integrity and on a solid foundation with God, it's not going to work out for us real well. So God's going to build something in us. God's going to build something in you. And that's what God was doing with David. David, you're going to be the king. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now in the Old Testament, when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon these prophets, they would come upon kings or people that God was going to use in an amazing way. And I want you to think about this. Through Christ, when you and I commit our lives, when you and I become followers of Jesus, God draws us to himself. And I don't know whether you were, I was eight years old when I committed my life to Christ. I don't know whether you were you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50. It doesn't matter what age. When you surrender fully, God places his Holy Spirit in you. And this is the same Holy Spirit that comes on David. 
The same Holy Spirit that God will use to face a giant next week. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. You think about that. Are we living with the same boldness? Are we living with the same courage? Are we living with the same power? Because God's Holy Spirit is in us. And God's Holy Spirit came on David at 16, 17, 18, 19 years old right there. And then it says Samuel then went to Ramah. Samuel went back to retirement and said, okay, God. And we only hear one more thing out of Samuel. Everything else turns to David. Everything else now is David is anointed. Guys, this is foundational. That you and I come back to that time we met the Lord. You and I come back and we hold on and say, God, I am yours wholly and completely. And David did that. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm not going to be like Saul when I get successful. I'm going to turn away. I'm going to be a man after God's heart all of my days. If you're taking notes today, you write some things down. I'd love for you to pull out your worship guide. Here's some things I'd love for you to write down. First, I want you to see some truths to live by from 1 Samuel 16. Some truths to live by from 1 Samuel 16. Here's number one. It's this. God chose you. <laughs> Guys, just let that sink in today. I'm telling you, I've been studying for weeks, preparing, and man, this truth has just kind of been weighing on me and the, and the incredible joy that comes. I mean, you think about David. God chose him. Out of all of his brothers, out of all the people, God chose him. And God chose you. God, <laughs> God chose you. You know, we look a lot of times and see all of our mistakes. We see our past. We see our failures. God looks at you, and you are loved. You are beloved by God, and he chose you. Maybe other people didn't choose you, like David's dad, but God did. Imagine David showing up and like, hey, what's everybody doing? You know, what do you mean? And David's dad didn't even invite him. Maybe in your life, boy, you carry around some hurt and pain from somebody not choosing you. Maybe it was a guy you dated or a girl. Uh, maybe it was a job. Maybe it was a college. And boy, when you start to get serious about following God or saying, okay, God, and, and then Satan reminds you, well, you know what? Hmm. You didn't get chosen. And you just go, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> God did. God chose me. God chose me. And I meet so many people who still carry this wound or this burden. And they can't get past it. At some point, you got to go, I got to get past this. I got to move forward. David did. David didn't go, hey, Dad, thanks a lot, right? <laughs> Brought everybody else. And David's like, no, it's okay. God chose me. <laughs> God's got a plan for me. God's got a purpose for me. God is with me. God is for me. Well, I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to go forward in him. I'm going to hold on to him. I don't care if the world looks at me and sees something else. That's fine. I want to be known as a man or woman that was chosen by God. Wow. Hey, let your self-worth be found in the fact that God chose you. You know, we all have a basis for our self-worth, right? Guys, many times it's wrapped up in our career, or how much money we make, and women, many times it's 
wrapped up in relationships or however the people feel about me or what people post about me. But guys, if your self-worth gets wrapped up in what God says about you, wow, that's a game changer. That's a life changer. I mean, that's when you walk around, your head up and your heart pure, just going, God chose me and his sovereignty and his grace. Here's what Jesus says in John, John chapter 15. He's talking to his disciples and, and these are red letter words, right? Red letters. And Jesus says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Isn't that an awesome thought? You know, when Jesus was calling his disciples, it wasn't that they were all coming up and going, hey, what about me, what about me? It was Jesus walking along and going, hey, Peter, come follow me and I'll make you a fisherman. Hey, Levi, you tax collector, hey, come follow me. I'll make you a fisherman. I know everybody else has rejected you. I know people don't like you, but listen, I do. And I care about you and I love you. And I've appointed you to go and bear fruit. Therefore, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. See, God chose you for a reason and purpose. And the reason is to have a relationship with him. Above all else, there is a God who loves you and doesn't want you to stray from him. He has drawn you to himself and is inviting you in. God chose a plan and a purpose for you too, to be the spiritual leader of your home. God has a plan and purpose for you to be the spiritual leader in your community, spiritual leader in your church, spiritual leader and you're thinking, no, I can't do it. I, you know, this or that. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Look at him. <laughs> Listen to what God says about you. Find your worth and your value in him and in him alone. And then you walk with confidence. Okay, God's called me to be the parent to these kids or the grandparent of these kids. I may not know enough. I may not think I have it all figured out, but, but God chose me. God chose me. And if God believes I could do it, hey, I'm going to trust that he can. God chose me. God chooses ordinary people to do his work. Don't miss this today. God chooses ordinary people to do his work. David was the youngest. David was out in the field. David didn't even get invited in. And yet God chose him to impact the world for the glory of God in his day and his time. God chooses ordinary people. See, we see differently than God sees. We look at people and we judge people by what they wear, by what they look like. We, we kind of fall into that mindset of the world. But God looks at people on the inside. God looks at people's hearts. God looks at people and says, hey, you are important to me. You are valuable to me. God is looking for people who are dependent on him. Are you dependent on him? Do you kind of go, okay, well, God, you kind of got your thing going, but, or do you trust? Like I'm fully dependent on the Lord. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, verse 26. The Apostle Paul says, hey, brothers and sisters, I love that, men and women, get this. Think of what you were when you were called. You know, I don't know when you accepted Christ for me. I was eight years old. I mean, God just so powerfully revealed himself. I was like, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And maybe for you, you're 15, maybe 20, 30, 15. Maybe it was last week, last Sunday, or Sunday before last. But brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. 
But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one may boast before him. And and that's not there to put ourselves down, but it's just there to say, hey, listen, God didn't look and go, hey, I really need you because I got to have you on my team if I'm going to run this whole universe thing. I mean, you are so important. No, 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 no. God chose us out of his mercy, out of his grace, out of his goodness and his kindness. God chose you. And when God accomplishes things through you, why? Then you can say, hey, it was all God. It wasn't me. It was all God so that no one could boast before him. God chooses ordinary people so that he'll receive the glory. And we're going to see David. We're going to see the things he accomplishes. And nobody goes, wow, that was that shepherd guy. He did that. People are going to say, wow, look what God did. Look what God did. You know, here at Rolling Hills, I feel like we're on that journey. There's ordinary people who are just loving Jesus and following Jesus and, and God's doing things in the world, right? I mean, mission trips in Moldova and the Amazon and camp and kids and students and raising up the next generation. God's doing things right here in our own community. And we just go, it's all him. <laughs> it's not us. And I go, yeah, we didn't think it was you. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. We go, yeah, we just want to give glory to our God. And God's like, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. All right, notice this one. God chooses to use people who have hearts for him. God chooses to use people who have hearts for him. And what was David doing out there with the sheep? He wasn't out there being bitter and complaining and like, why do I have to tend the sheep? David, if we know, he was writing worship songs to the Lord. He was learning to play the harp and the lyre. Many of the Psalms are songs that David wrote. When you read the Psalms in the Bible, they're like songs that, that David wrote to God. He was learning to grow in his heart. He was learning to grow in his character, his integrity, in the depth of his love for God. God chooses to use people who have hearts for him. To have a heart for God, you need to be humble and obedient. You need to be humble and obedient. You know, Moses, the Bible tells us, was the most humble man that ever lived. Moses was the most humble man. Mary, Mary was a teenage girl. And God appeared to her and said, hey, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. She's like, no way. You know, not, not me. But then she says, may it be to me as you've said. Okay. God, I can't, but you can. I'll trust you. The apostle Paul, he kept saying, I, I'm the worst of all sinners. Why would God use me? Why? Here I am. But but. God, I'm going to have a heart for you. I'm going to have a heart for you. I'm going to have a heart for you. Being humble. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not going, oh, I'm terrible. I'm horrible. Uh, Humility is thinking of yourself less. Humility is putting God first. Humility is putting other people first. Humility is saying, hey, how can I build up those around me? Need to be humble and obedient. Obedient. You know, like at Samuel. Okay, God, this may cost me my life, but I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to go. I'm going to trust. David will be obedient. He's going to hold on to God. What about you? What about me? There's times that God prompts our hearts, right? Hey, God's drawing us to himself. I'm going to put a stake in the ground. I'm going to follow Jesus. And then fear comes. Or maybe God's calling you to be baptized. Maybe God's calling you to serve. But God, you can't use me. Yeah, I can work through you. Trust me. 
Be humble and obedient. See, God doesn't want to just be an add on your life. There's a lot of people that live and they're like, hey, I want to live for the things of this world and I'm going to run after money and success and power. I'm going to look great on the outside. You know, it's going to be all about me. God, you know, I want a little add-on right here. I just don't want to have to go to hell. Okay, you know, so I'm going to live my life all these days and then when I get to the end of my life, God, you jump in and just deliver me right there. But I'm going to not really worry about you. I really don't want you engaged in my life. You stay over there. I'll be over here. And God's going, no, 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 no. I want to be fully engaged in your life. I want to be fully engaged in your heart. I want to be fully engaged in your marriage. I want to be fully engaged in your family. I want to be fully engaged in your career, in your dreams, in your hopes, because I've got an incredible plan for you. Don't just stiff arm me away. Don't just try to make me an add-on. I want to be the essence of your heart. That's why the most important commandment, right? What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your oomph. It's right here. This is what God's looking for. God wants all of you, and your heart represents all of you. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. A lot of times we're like, I'm gonna, I got to control my language. I got to control my thoughts. I got to control this. No, no, no. It's, it's putting things into your heart. That's why when you get up in the morning and you spend time with God, that's why when you dive into the word, that's why when you pray or you worship, then what flows out of you are the things of God. It's not I got to control all these things out here. It's I start here. God, let me grow deeper in your word. Let me grow deeper there. And then when I get frustrated with my kids, or I get frustrated with things at work, I get frustrated. What flows out of me is not anger or, or bitterness or rage. What flows out of me is, okay, God, I need you. God, speak through me. God, love through me. God, use me because it's here. It's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. It's out of the overflow of the heart that we do the things we do. It starts here. And David, for these next 10 years, is going to work on his heart. It's the foundation. Give me a heart for you, God. Give me a heart for you. Become a man or woman after God's heart. Become a man or woman after God's heart. Guys, this summer, this is my prayer for all of us. We're launching this summer, and I pray this is a summer that we just work on our hearts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any impure way in me, and God, lead me in your way everlasting. Let me become a man or woman after your heart. Are you more concerned today with how you look on the outside or the inside? Pretty good question, right? Yeah, because we fall into that trap of the world. We're like, man, I just got to go work out. I got to look good. I got to get rid of this muffin top because it's bathing suit season, right? We, get, we all are there, right? We all think about these things. But are we saying, hey, I also want to be diving deep and becoming a man or a woman after the heart of God? God, I want to be a person who walks with you humbly. I want to be a man or a woman. I'm not going to be perfect. I know there's going to be ups and downs. I know there's going to be joys. I know there's going to be challenges. I know there's going to be struggles that I'm going to face. But God, I'm going to hold on to you. And God, I'm going to be committed to you because I need you and I love you and you're with me. <laughs> hey, God made you and he longs for you to find your value in him. You know, we all find our value in something. 
What if you found your value in God? What if this summer you just go, you know what? Hey, whatever happens, God's with me. God chose me. God chose me. I mean, really. Commit your life to Jesus and spend time growing in him. Jesus is the only one who can change a heart. He's the only one who can change a life. You know, the disciples, when they were with Jesus, I love what it says in Acts chapter 4, in verse 13, Peter and John, two of the disciples, were Jesus. They get arrested. They're standing before the Sanhedrin. And all these guys are looking down at them. And I love what it says there. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. <laughs> these men had been with Jesus. See, when you and I, man, we're at church and or in the mornings, we're spending time in the Word and when we're on our knees and we're praying, you know what's happening? God's changing us. He's molding us. He's shaping us to be men and women after His heart. And then you have the courage and the boldness to stand up. You have the courage to speak and to, and to teach and to love. Because why? It's not because of your own. It's because of Jesus. And that's what God wants to do in you and through you. So today, I just want to ask you this. Have you humbled yourself before the Lord and said, God, here's my life? Maybe today is a day of salvation. Maybe today is a day going, you know what, God, I've spent so much time on the outside, but, but today, God, I'm committing my inside to you. Here's my heart, Lord. Maybe today, if you kind of search your heart and you think, I fall in the same trap as Samuel. I, I judge people by how they look on the outside. And today, God, I want to start to look at people and love them for who they are on the inside. Maybe today, God's saying, hey, there's an area of your life. Hey, come before me. Trust me. There's an area I'm calling you to be obedient in. Follow me. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. But I want you to think about this right here, right now. God chose you. God chose you. Before the creation of the world, God in his sovereignty looked down through time and he chose you. He says, I've got a life planned for you. Would you hold on to me? Let me be your God. Don't push me to the side. Let me be the joy of your heart. Would you find your worth and your value in him today? Maybe this morning you just pray, God, come. My heart's prone to wonder. I feel it, God. But today, would you, would you just draw me close to you? God, would you lift my head? Maybe today you just want to confess, God, there's... There's hurt and pain that I've been holding on to. There's people that rejected me, and God, I've been finding my value in what they said and not what you say. Today, I confess that, God. God, today, I find my value in you. God, I'm gonna listen to what you say. Maybe today, there's an area God's saying, hey, it's time to be obedient. It's time to be the spiritual leader in your home. It's time to pray with or for your family. It's 
time to be baptized. It's time to trust. This morning, would you just give your heart to the Lord? God, here's my heart. And Father, grow me and let me become a man or woman after you.